pay heed. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these fifteen. Ten, ten commandments. Welcome to the Vulgar Auteurs, where we examine the filmographies of genre filmmakers. We are currently in the midst of our series on the films of Mel Brooks. Today we are talking History of the World Part 1 from 1981. I'm Paco. I'm Jason. I'm Terry. And I'm Evan. And we are your hosts. So this came out in 1981. Uh, the last movie that we watched was High Anxiety from 1977. And in this time period, Mel Brooks founded Brooks Films uh, to produce more like serious films separate from his uh, comedic work so that his name wouldn't be associated with it. Um, and, and he wanted to pretty much front a lot of money for like folks' first time uh, pictures so that he could rake in more of like a lion's share of the, the profits. And I feel like it's in this period that he became less of a filmmaker and more of like a businessman or a brand, because I feel like a lot of the movies coming after this were more of like, it's a Mel Brooks, you know, like you're getting kind of the, uh, like the kids meal version of the Mel Brooks from like previous or, or more like mainstream or like more selling to like a PG 13. It's it's been like packaged and sold like, yeah. But I mean, within this, he also, his first movie through Brooks Films was Anne Bancroft's Fatso in 1980. Um, And that also came about with uh, David Lynch's Elephant Man. And then later he would uh, go on to produce uh, Cronenberg's The Fly remake in 1986. Um, Oh, yeah. And so this was uh, one of the first Brooks Films releases, uh, History of the World Part 1. Um, and so, uh, in the meantime, while he was fulfilling all of these contracts, he was kind of trying, well, first uh, 20th century Fox, uh, said that he needed to fulfill more movies on their, their current contract. So he went back to the well and used a lot of the recordings with Carl Reiner, the 2000 year old man as a conceit, uh, you know, basis for this movie, um, to make it more of like a, a genre anthology film that's kind of stitched together by skits through several eras of civilization to lampoon, you know, key moments. Um, And I think that he went into this kind of hesitant just because he was going, you know, at this point, uh, you know, the 20 year old, the the 2000 year old man was 20 to 25 years old. Um, So I think he was a little, his confidence, he wasn't as confident going into it, but he forged ahead and also was the sole uh, screenwriter for the first time since the 12 chairs in, in 1970. 
Um, and so he boasted this project to be the height of his vulgarity and really pushed for the R rating. Um, which, do you, do you get the uh, reference to History of the World Part 1 as the Sir Walter Raleigh uh, joke? No. No. I've, who's Sir Walter Raleigh? So Sir Walter Raleigh worked for one of the kings of like England and uh, he wrote the book called History of the World Part 1 uh or uh yeah the history of the world part one but he he didn't complete the second because he was beheaded <laughs> so like uh i think he went on an expedition of some kind with like representing england and then he ended up they ended up killing a bunch of spanish so it broke some kind of treaty and so he was in the tower of london and was beheaded in fact i i read that uh his last words were, uh, I would not have my enemies think I quaked from fear. And when he saw the axe, he said, this is sharp medicine, but it is a physician for all diseases and miseries. What dost thou fear? Strike, man, strike. Which I think is kind of badass. But, that, dude's, uh, uh, that dude's pretty metal. I like it. It's kind of like yeah. an Iron Maiden song, you know? Uh, um... So either way, he enlisted a bunch of his uh, previous collaborators, such as Dom DeLuise, Madeline Kahn makes an appearance, Harvey Corman, and even Andreas uh, Lutzinas from uh, The Producers. Um, and originally, Richard Pryor was going to be Josephus, um, oh. as he, uh, he, who Gregory Hines uh, played in this film as his feature film debut, actually. But um, I think... In 1980, when they were shooting it, uh, he was recovering from uh, the freebasing incident uh, accident that happened. Oh boy! Um, so he couldn't step down, and uh, Gregory Hines was like a famous tap dancer, a professional dancer, who then went on to do like Waiting to Exhale and The Preacher's Wife and uh, uh, Bill Duke's uh, Rage in Harlem. Uh, so this movie kind of uh, didn't do so well. Um, it had poor critical reception. Um, 20th Century Fox had replaced the person that really loved Mel Brooks with this other guy who didn't really necessarily believe in him a whole lot. Um, however, and it opened in a bunch of, or a low amount of theaters. Um, but Brooks made a, a great deal with this picture specifically, um, where he didn't take a fee up front, but wanted all the rights to the foreign markets, which included TV and home entertainment rights like DVD, VHS, which it's coincidental that we had trouble finding it to rent. But I thought that was uh, interesting after, after finding out about that. Yeah, like he, he pretty much threatened to sell all of his 20th Century Fox stock, which he didn't own. It was a bluff. Uh, and say that he would that he had no faith in current management, and that's where they uh, proceeded to give him what he wanted. And and in fact, um, even though this picture was commercially and critically um, panned and didn't do that well, it was not really it was poorly received. This was the one film that made him the most money uh, per his own word. So it's kind of an interesting movie. Um, what did you guys think about it? I liked it. I feel like I am kind of on the outer edge of people who... Let me rephrase that. I think this is one of his funnier movies. I It's not at the top tier, but as far as like his mid-level movies go, this is like mid to high. And the... Not having to spend so much time focusing on an overall story gives him more time to just tell jokes, which I think is to the movie's benefit. 
He mm. will go way too long on certain skits and have me rolling my eyes at points, but the amount of jokes that hit in this movie was pretty damn high, at least personally. I don't know. Terry, what'd you think? I know, I know. We talked about this uh, off mic, but yeah, I'm the odd one out. It, it didn't work for me as much. I, I think there were jokes that were funny, like, and there were a good amount of them, and I think the pace of the jokes in this is like what we would kind of expect, like we've been talking about, like the, the, the speed like in, and how that kind of factors into the movie, and I think that like this one definitely does the right amount of jokes per minute, but a lot of them just landed flat for me. And I, I also I think that uh, I didn't like the anthology as much. I would have preferred that we stuck in one era, like in particular the Roman uh, with with Gregory Hines. Yeah, it's weird to have like an anthology where you stick in one era for a good chunk of the movie, and then you just have like a few others that are you're in for like maybe ten to fifteen minutes. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and that was another problem. I, I totally agree. Yeah, like why spend so much time there and then kind of book in the other ones? Like why not just make the whole movie? Yeah, it's like the Inquisition, and then you do one thing, and then it's moving on, and you're like, oh, I could have stayed within. Like if you'd made an Inquisition movie, like I'm totally well. See, there. and like, and the Inquisition, it, it, like yeah. the the musical arrangement there was fun, but then we oh, get into like the weird one. pervy Louis the Sixteenth one, and like I don't know, yeah, which is yeah. really long. Yeah. I, yeah. I think one of the things that would have made this better is if they did the opposite of what you're saying, Terry, and they did even more different eras. And well, no, if it was a true anthology and we had a bunch, I think that would be great. Because yeah. then they would be skits at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, be- because, yeah. like, the Louis stuff goes on for a while, Ooh. and it it it's... is not great it, uh, it hasn't aged well, well you know, at all <laughs> mel brooks also produced this movie wrote it and directed it and it's like he didn't have someone kind of kicking him around going like hey this doesn't work because the louis the 16th stuff was like uh was tough like there were bits and pieces that i thought were silly and fun but then it was just really dead air like on my end where i, I wasn't mm-hmm. i didn't think it was as funny um robert ebert um roger ebert <laughs> Uh, uh, had a um, uh, a review that actually kind of summed up how I felt where he said, quote, Brooks never seems to have a clear idea of the rationale of his movie, so there's no confident narrative impetus to carry it along. His history framework doesn't have an approach or point of view. It's basically just a laundry line for whatever gags he can hang on it, which great writer uh but i i don't i'm not as harsh yeah. <laughs> i'm not as harsh as ebert but i kind of i feel like he's throwing a bunch of darts at the board and he's like okay these are the seven eras i'm gonna cover and then oh, whatever jokes work they work but i feel like i wish that it, it it means that all the jokes are kind of on different tones and different all over the spectrum and it's so hit and miss um, yeah. that it doesn't feel as cohesive as like something like silent movie um or blazing saddles where it's like oh it's a, a laugh a minute and it's like it's structured in a way that every joke counts and i feel like yeah but this on the other was... hand it like high anxiety is all one thing and it has a far lower amount of jokes that hit you know um That's true I, but I, 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 I don't know, like, I, I feel like some of the jokes in High Anxiety really hit, whereas, like, 
I don't know. I only I only laughed really hard at like a few a few gags in, in uh, history of the world. Well, which which ones did you did you really uh, gag on? <laughs> well, I speaking of which, first served, first come, the first that, time you were in the buffet. So <laughs> except uh, for Hugh Hefner showing up randomly. That yeah, was that was weird. weird. I mean, as usual, I I like the the visual gags always. Like, there's some good ones. Although I will say that the. Uh, the V instead of the U got a little got a little tedious after a while in in the Roman one. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. Which one? I thought it was fine. Oh, yeah. the V like, instead oh, yeah. of the U. They, oh, I but it was that. it was so they... much though. It was so much because it's a good You're joke. Nuts. NVTS. It's so ridiculous. Like who would think to make it? I mean, they print off signs that literally have V. Yeah. Like, God, see, I, I feel like adorable. I'm nitpicking now because all of you guys are like, this is hilarious, and I'm like, I don't know, this was annoying. No, <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to all gang I, up on I, you. I get like, it. You're no, a no, fucksome no. woman in French uh, yeah, right. chess. Yeah. Like, as if, heaven forbid, oh, you're bending over to do something and right. have some dude just run up behind you. One of the things I don't like about this movie and it seems to be a through line for brooks is like i feel like he kind of made movies just so he could touch like the boobs <laughs> of young women <laughs> well it's it's funny because he references like i watched this uh conan o'brien interview with mel brooks that came out maybe like 10 years ago and it's a great interview but uh specifically for the scene of like him rushing up behind the girl who's like bending over the woman who's bending over he he likened it to like harpo marks and body rhythms and being able to like do something unexpected and that th- maybe that's loosely the case for like something that's more like marx brothers humor but it's really odd and weird to do it in 1981 and it's not funny it's it's like peppy le pew kind of like well and it, it's mm-hmm. actually not, it's, it's not just, even but it's see but like the marx brothers would be making like some kind of maybe a ribald joke but like it's it's explicit in the in the louis sequences like they literally yeah. like gang rape the queen like i mean and that's they're not even like trying to be delicate about it and not well, that you should be but yeah. like it, it's just it's it's like a really upfront, and I don't know th- that those gags were hard for me, but yeah, like I don't know they, and like 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 I said earlier, like sometimes I I felt like I kind of was able to take the other ones in time, but because this movie didn't uh, kind of like grab me as much, it meant that I was like more prickly for the for the gags that I didn't like, and maybe that's the problem. Like yeah, and I like. Like a lot of uh, Mel Brooks films, they start off with a lot of great jokes mm-hmm. and like setups and stuff like that. Like the whole caveman thing was mm-hmm. just like, here's a bunch of little intricate skits. And like one of my favorite lines from that is like, from the birth of art <laughs> came the inevitable right. afterbirth of yeah, the and he, just, he pisses all over them. And here, in a cave somewhere in the North American continent, about two million years ago, the first artist was born. <laughs> And of course, with the birth of the artist came the inevitable afterbirth, the critic. Such Especially because it's Orson Welles is the narrator, like it's extra yeah. funny. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. I fucking love that. Um, but yeah, so it's. Yeah, I feel like the Louis one has the least. 
it's the one they end on, and it has the least amount of like. But it's so long. <laughs> solid like jokes, yeah, and it's it's more of like like I loved. Um, I just like some of the like character acting, or especially what's her face's dad who's in prison. He's like, "What's the matter, Pierre? Cat got your tongue? Oh, it looks like he's got your beak and your eyes too. <laughs> Not so lucky today, Pierre." Well, it, it also like it, via that it also goes into like, "Oh, it's good to be king." And I think the line is like, "If you don't put out, he don't get out." And then you're like, "Okay, this is we're having fun." And then there's this, and then it, it just kind of feels really. Mm-hmm gross and i honestly at the time i would think that would be gross like it's it's strange um i mean some people probably would make an argument where it's like well he's the bad guy he gets to say that sort of stuff but it's still very off it's like it's it's still very uncomfortable for i don't know i guess it's played for humor or like he's being over the top in this character that it's different from like a count de monet uh, Harvey Corman's yeah. character. Count the money rules. I, I will say don't that. Don't be saucy, yeah. Bernie. Count the money. Count the money. <laughs> well, and, the, and the whole like the 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 piss boy scene. Oh my gosh, yeah. that was hysterical. I also loved his his friend that was always just kind of <laughs> giving him yeah. shit here it's, and there. He's and another like, Brooks you, regular. Uh huh. He was in the producers. But uh, Evan, you said that you grew up watching this movie too. Like, it, it was it different watching it this time versus previous times or anything like that? It's also funny to think about you watching such a body movie as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I I mean I my dad hooked me onto all of the um, you know Mel Brooks movies young, but this one I after watching I remembered that as a kid there were moments when I would put this movie on. Um, but then I would stop watching it after a while just because I only wanted to see, say, the parts where they're, you know, in, um, in Rome. Um, cause I think those were the funniest or I would just like skip to some parts cause they were like, oh, it's an anthology. I don't have to watch all or like every single piece of it because honestly it is, it's, it's just kind of comfort food, but it, I didn't really watching it again. I realized like, ah, I, I see where I stopped laughing. Like. I honestly, the first 20 minutes of the movie, there's like, I wrote down a whole page of just one-liner jokes that I thought were hilarious. One's like, like Gregory Hines being like, just ask, uh, um, <laughs> Samus Davis Jr. You know, right. he'll tell you that. <laughs> See, and, like, and I actually agree with you. I think the first 20 minutes are so very, quick. very good. And if it weren't for the rest of the movie, like just judging by that, like I'd probably like it. Yeah. And it's basically that. It's like, I, after a while, stopped writing jokes. So I was like, you know, some are funny, but the rest of it, it's kind of just dry. Or... It loses a lot of steam. Yeah, the steam really does get pressed out of it. And I think that also kind of contributes to the fact that, like, you're in so much of Rome for the longest time, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we hit a musical number, and then now we're doing the Louis the Sixteenth right. um, mm-hmm. bit. And you're like, okay, we're different movie, I guess? Like completely derails it in a way well like they spent all of this money on in the budget on these like huge sets like those room sets are awesome like i loved all of that like sword and sandals look and all the costumes and like even like the inquisition musical number was dope and then i felt yeah like the when sets they went were amazing to, 
like Louis, the Louis part, it was like, okay, we're at like Ronald Reagan library or something. Like we're at like some big estate garden that they're shooting at for like a tax. Wait, I, I don't but know. It, it just I, wasn't I did love, imaginative. I did love the set piece where like they're trying to escape and you, it, it looks like the hallway is really long, <laughs> yeah. but then you just see it's built, you know, for that illusion. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah and he's like who designed this place <laughs> it's it's That's just so like he's good. walking up i i think i i read somewhere that like uh of some of that stuff was filmed at like the real caesar's palace that oh cool. shit yeah. wow. that, that That's makes cool. sense because when they first show up it looks exactly like vegas and then it, yeah. it's like that's the funny joke is like okay then after that like boy when you die at the palace you really die at the palace I wonder if those were doubles too, like that wasn't really Mel Brooks and that they just had a, a unit shooting out there, like kind of like when they would cut to Kramer and Seinfeld, like running through the city. It was like they shot it in LA and then they would just have like a, a, a double like running around mm-hmm. Manhattan as hmm. Kramer. Could be. It happens pretty <laughs> regularly, but I could also see Mel Brooks wanting an excuse to go to the casino. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he is... He kind of has a Vegas vibe to him. He does. He kind of does. I'm not gonna lie. Just he's, which he's normally I would say is an insult, but in yeah. this case I don't mean <laughs> I, it as one. Yeah, I sort. I mean it in the best way, where he's he's very much a Broadway. And I I would I would like to say I, you know, I don't know if it's just him having a natural talent or if he particularly has any sort of stand up um, that he's done in his past. But his stand-up persona, um, when he's doing that scene, is I feel like it's really spot on. He gets like all the cadence right, and he's like, he sets up jokes in a way that it, he just feels natural in that part. I, I I feel like Brooks had to have done a stand-up set at some point in his mm-hmm. life. There's no yeah. way, and probably hung out with a shit ton of stand-up. Exactly. Comedians. So well, like he Richard Pryor, like, for instance, like he was a writer. Yeah, that's like, true. And, and other stuff, yeah. Like, he's so talkative and naturally flamboyantly part of the entertainment industry. Like, he's been in the entertainment industry since, like, the 40s at this right, point. Right. Like, he's, like, an old yeah. hand. Yeah. So, like, he's totally the, like, and actor guy. A lot of the Catskill stuff, they incorporate a lot of stand-up. So, mm-hmm. the if that's film. where he started, I'm sure he did a lot um, yeah. back in those early days. And, I mean, days. Comicus is that a funny sense. character, like... Yeah. He's kind of an asshole. But well, yeah, he is a funny. That's character. the whole point. I mean, it's well, like it's, it's like you brought up about you... uh, B. Arthur's comment, like that he's a bullshit yeah. artist. Like, yeah, oh, I, I love yeah. that shit. That's one of my favorite moments. Is B. Arthur's is the person at the employment office, and he's like, yeah. oh, you know, she's like, what do you do? Oh, I'm like a stand-up philosopher or something. She's bullshit artist. Next occupation, stand-up philosopher. What? Stand-up philosopher. I coalesce the vapor of human experience into a viable and logical comprehension. Oh, a bullshit artist. Did you bullshit last week? No. Did you try to bullshit last week? Yes. <laughs> and, and that's one of my other favorite jokes is later when they're near the Senate, uh, like all these philosophers are walking around and talking and they need to like blend in with the philosophers so they're like oh bullshit bullshit right. bullshit bullshit, <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. Like, which in my other favorite line was the uh, how does the senate vote 
Fuck, fuck the board. The board. Fuck the board. <laughs> so and then the guy I, just goes, good. I like, I had to pause <laughs> right. and laugh. Because it's, it they just, set it's, that up so well because I forget what he's saying for like one of the ways. And he's like, or we could spend this money on building like yeah. quality housing thing. and food programs for the poor who are suffering. Like how how does the Senate <laughs> how do vote? We vote? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck the poor. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. <laughs> All fellow members of the Roman Senate, hear me. Shall we continue to build palace after palace for the rich, or shall we aspire to a more noble purpose and build decent housing for the poor? How does the Senate vote? Fuck the poor. Good. Well, and that, but that's why that's why Dom DeLuise's Emperor Nero is fucking amazing. Oh, it's mm. so good. Where he's just like farting, he and he so like he's eating like just continuously eating. Like it's it's like a perfect like decadent Roman emperor. Yeah, when they give him that like really nice tub, and he's like nice, nice, not nice. thrilling, but not nice. thrilling, <laughs> nice. And like he's pulling shit out of his ass, and he's like, wash this. Oh yeah, when he does the treasure <laughs> bath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Pulls like a coin out of his butt. Cracky's like, yeah, wash this. <laughs> See, but that 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 brings up another one of the more problematic gags. The the like mm-hmm. uh, seneschal or whatever he is for the emperor. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. there's a lot of they say the F word a lot. Like in oh. ways that are like really well then even like, comicus works it into his set too. He's like, See, yeah. he gets it, and you're like, Oh yeah. whoops, there it is again. Mm-hmm. It's less of like using it as like a like commonplace name for lack of a better term and it's it is seen or at least i perceived it as more of like it's really jabbing the word at them as if they're mocking this character well but that that character is a bit of a caricature as well and I yeah think it's yeah it's, it's like definitely the whole joke is that he's gay and, yeah like there's and, and not that's, anything that's the more. problem is that's all there is to that character. But, but see, Dom DeLuise's character also fondles, like, one of the soldiers, uh, like, crotch, and it's not, like, it's not done in the same way. And so it's, like, what's what's special about this one? I, I mean, it, just, it feels really out of place. I, I do feel I like, feel like just over the by top this point, and... we've seen homophobia in several of these. Well, yeah. but I'm saying and, that there, there are homoerotic yeah. moments, but then, for some reason, it's not okay for the side characters. And it's just, like... It's strange, and I understand that like it's a product of the era, but it like it always feels out of place when you've already shown that you're not homophobic in all situations. Mm-hmm. It's, well, and then you have like the over, uh, you know, they'll overdo it, overcompensate with like Harvey Corman like lusting after uh, you know the girl who was gonna sleep with Louis the Sixteenth to get her father out of prison, where he's like you know mm-hmm. going after her in a way that's like creepy, like. Super yeah. creepy Hollywood shit, which you would expect, you wouldn't expect from this old white man. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood, big producer. <sighs> it's gonna be a bummer if Mel Brooks gets me tooed. Well, I mean, maybe it'll happen after he dies, and we won't have to worry about it too much. And so far as like his current conduct, we'll just have to like look back, at, you know, retrospect and be like, well, damn it. Mm-hmm. You, we would hope that like his relationship with Anne Bancroft that he had for pretty much the majority of his life was like his true love and he 
as much as he liked to make jokes about it, he wasn't a creep. Yeah, like he seems him. like an actually legitimately good dude. So yeah, yeah. I'm not I, trying to yeah, say Bob like he loved his, his wife. Or maybe yeah, yeah. We should uh, cut this, Evan. But I don't know. <laughs> no, we're just saying we he's we hope he does tissue it. Tissue boxes, unless the tissue boxes come out, you know, and me to him. He's I bet he's just furiously masturbating, and that's why he hasn't made a movie since 1995. Well, at a certain point, I bet the uh, the appeal of boobs is just not enough to get you to spend a year of your life. Well, n- now he's gonna do the samurai saddles thing or whatever. Well, it's like yeah. this is blazing kind of the, samurai. That one. This is the beginning of Mel boobs. You know, like, I feel like Dracula (laughs) Dead and Loving It was probably the first huge set of cleavage in an entire movie that probably little Jason (laughs) saw. Like, that movie was just cleavage. Floris Leachman in this. (laughs) Oh, that's true. One of the only things I remembered as someone who uh, saw this, like, as a kid, was I didn't remember much of History of the World in terms of jokes, but I was like, I feel like there's a surprising amount of cleavage in that movie. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. And I was right. Especially near the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's all about, because, you know, they have the whole, like, uh, virgin's quarters, and then they have the whole, like, Louis bit, which is just full of, you know, mm-hmm. women, buxom women with their breasts being pushed up in their, you know, corsets. It's like, it's it's all over this film. It's, just, it's, it's a horny over. movie. Like, I, the I, part where they're movie. testing the eunuchs... Yeah, uh, but that that, that scene wild. is really funny. <laughs> yeah, Gregory Hines getting a boner, like it's funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. his nasty tongue. Yeah. Oh my god, god. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> a dry thing. I, I do Dude, love that, that. That scene. Okay, but like, see, that's the thing. Like the jokes that hit in this one do hit hard, and so like I was yeah. cackling during the tongue scene, like when it just like falls out of his mouth like and it Ew. looks disgusting yeah. but it's fucking hilarious it's like it's like so a leather like tongue opening up after oh, yeah. she like abruptly dances yeah. on him yeah, like dude. ace ventura 2 uh this guy is not a eunuch like, madeline khan as empress nympho is so hysterical like i love madeline khan so i love much. quick time heart or like yeah uh, i just madeline khan is captured, a delight they'll be hung in whatever uh, whatever movie she is in yeah Oh, Her yeah, joke, like she, I love that, like, you know, the it. servant waits while the master Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, such a... That and, like, I swear, I've been waiting my whole life since I saw this movie for a moment for somebody to ask me when as oh, they're pouring yeah. me a drink and to just go, 8.30. Yeah. See, I, I was just thinking <laughs> That's so fucking solid. I, I honestly had to, you know, have a prayer of solidarity with all of the Arden, Olive Garden employees that used to have to deal with fucking funny assholes who saw this movie and thought it'd be funny to do the same thing every night. Like, you know, like, this is the epicenter for, totally. like, American culture. <laughs> well, dude, okay, so so I was kind of thinking about that, like, where we were kind of, uh, before we started recording, talking about, like, the proliferation of spoofs and, like, the Zucker Abrams Zucker stuff. And I kind of think that the structure of this movie reminds me a lot of the, like, bad mm. spoofs, like, scary movie and stuff. Stuff that's drawing from mm-hmm. multiple uh, genres into, like, sort of... Like, not that scary movie is an anthology, but it's, like, grabbing from a lot of influences. And I don't mm-hmm. think that this is as bad as modern spoofs are, but I think that, like, you can kind of chart that uh, to this era, in particular, the early 80s, and this film. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of true, but that's mm-hmm. like saying fucking you can chart a line from 
the Dark Knight to Zack Snyder's Justice League. Like, I mean, uh, but you you can. There's that, that, that's a pretty obvious line because both of them but, read uh, Frank Martin. Miller's Frank Miller's uh, novel. Yeah. So but I mean, I'm that's that's a pretty obvious there's, line. Yeah, but what I'm saying is you can't. Well, you can blame Christopher Nolan because he's a producer on Justice League, but in a lot of cases. If someone does something well, oh no no no, I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying imitation. to blame. No no no. <laughs> like, I think the history of the world is still far better than a lot of that stuff. In fact, even just the fact that it's called the history of the world part one and there's no part two and that's the joke, that's a hilarious <laughs> joke. Like, like, that's the long joke is that there was no part two because the real Sir Walter Raleigh was beheaded. Like that's the funniest. No, exactly. Joke. Like that's way yeah, funnier. There's not a part two, and that's way funnier than yeah. all of the garbage spoofs that have come out in like the last twenty five years. No, I yeah, I still think the like Zucker Abram Zucker stuff holds up. Like all four of those are pretty. Fucking I'm not great. saying they're bad either. I'm just saying like you you don't have the modern garbage without some of these. Well, it's, it's funny because this one kind of was the step in the more adult direction for Mel Brooks. Like, mm-hmm. it's rated R. There's the weed humor where they, like, are on the run, like Gregory Hines and, uh, and Mel Brooks, and uh, they find some wacky weedus and roll a huge doobie yeah. to burn. <laughs> and while, you know, like, there creates a smoke cloud to the, their, the people who, that are pursuing them, the Romans. Mm-hmm. And, like, it keeps cutting back to the Romans who are all high and they've, like, stopped going, like, you know, you know, do you care, do you care if it, if it falls, falls, man? man? <laughs> <laughs> what? The Roman Empire. Man, fuck it, man. Yeah. I just, like, it's the funniest thing because, like, I'm not a big fan of, like, like weed humor, but that shit is so hysterical. And, and the same with, like, Gregory Hines kind of steals the movie too of uh, like mm-hmm. hey Josephus hey motherfucker and then it plays funky town right like, I, I, it's so <laughs> yeah. like out yeah, of yeah, the Oedipus so joke he's charismatic it, and just it, even, like, even his, the his like dancing uh, numbers yeah exactly like the the tap number where he's like unfortunately trying to sell himself but like which that's all yeah, problematic that's, on its own merits but the, yeah. the, the whole sequence like, itself and he, what he does is great his performance in particular but the context is kind of, you know, unfortunate. It's to save himself from being eaten yeah. by lions. So in a way, I'm kind of like... I know, but it's I'm, like, there's like one I'm black like, guy I, in the movie I know it's a, he's a slave. Like. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really weird context, especially when, um, what is it, Miriam, she's like, save him. Which one is it? Oh, it's the colored, I, I mean, the, the slave. Right. And I was like, does she have to correct herself? Well, like, yeah. which one's better? But it's also problematic sure. because both uh, avenues uh, deny that individual their own autonomy, and that's the problem, is, like, both, they don't have a choice, and that's not right in, you know, white supremacist. Yeah. I don't know. Are you, are you trying to tell us that slavery's bad, Jason? That's just like cancel culture bullshit. Oh, hold on, we still want our Patreon subscribers, so I'm not gonna answer that yet. <laughs> yeah, we have well, a really niche market of nerds who love Ozu movies and are white supremacists. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Why like, you gotta uh, throw? Uh, why you gotta throw Ozu in there, Jay? I'm sorry, dude. dude I'm sorry. I if we you. get canceled, we can go to Substack and start raking in the money. Yeah. Uh, well, Glenn, that's uh, what Glenn Greenwald did. You know what's, yeah, what's kind of you know kinda crazy is that the the walk this way joke returns 
and uh, oh, it's yeah. a great gag. And then I was also thinking, okay, if this is the you know the history of the world, does Igor do this joke because it was based the creation of the joke was then? Like some Pixar same world shit. Yeah, like Man, it's that's like the a Brooks Kevin extended Smith universe. Shit, it's like it's an extended <laughs> yeah. universe that we don't know about. Welcome to season two of uh, Vulgar Auteurs, where now we're going to watch them in reverse as if they're one <laughs> continuous movie. But I don't know. I was thinking about that. Like, that's such a weird, uh, wacky weedist thought. But <laughs> to, to be honest, I like. <laughs> yes, it is. But to be honest, I kind of. I. I. Sorry, like the the walk this way joke. I felt like it was perfect in the Young Frankenstein, and oh, when they yeah. bring it back in this, I'm like, I didn't I didn't need that, and they kind of do too much with it. I mean, I it made me laugh it, again. I'm I'm a sucker. I I I and I get that, but I was just kind of like kind of annoyed, being like, it was no, like I'm I'm one of those who's also you know like don't give me a fucking sequel to anything. Have make something new and it's a great joke but it's like dude you made it before mm. in a previous movie and the way you did it there was perfect simple and sweet and now you have four people all doing the same thing for this one same joke because you couldn't think of any other joke maybe to put in there i don't know now, now i'm nitpicking no but like, i this is a I movie totally, to well i mean it's, it does there you go i mean I, I i do feel like there were like some familiar jokes that it did feel kind of derivative where even like the virgins are putting on these no entry signs and that's super close to the joke in like men in tights where there's like a chastity belt yeah, or something yeah. that's like locked where it's like these continue like these jokes that are like oh i want to have another attempt at this joke in another movie and try and mm -hmm. sell it harder there it's like strange. I mean, but but he does that a lot. Like they're like kind of like the oldies, but the goodies. Like what what's the name of the head inquisitor? Like it it goes into the song oh yeah, um, Takamata. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't talk. You can't talk Takamata. Exactly. Like Brooks loves that <laughs> shit too. Which okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think those are continuously Takamata. funny though. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's the very Inquisition, good. Uh, musical number is beautiful. Oh yeah, like, that song is still in my head, and it's it's outrageous. It's so uh, dude. The the Jewish guys <laughs> chained to the wall who are. Singing in the song like yeah. it's so out of control well even like the weird like space balls concept of the like uh star of david uh Dude, spaceship yeah the, the, the jews the in space preview for jews in space <laughs> oh like that was so Dude. meta and weird like well but can you see where space balls comes from now though we were kind of talking about oh, this yeah. i think was it last mm -hmm. week we were talking about this we're like, how, how, uh, how, at some point, recently, it was like, yeah. like you know, how how much would Brooks care about a modern property? And like, I feel like this kind of sets that up. Like, clearly, he's paying attention. Mm -hmm. What do you think he would do if he made a part two? Like, if like next year he'd like Beyonce it and like just released <laughs> part two? You know, like, what do you think he would do? Like the modern era, like up till now? I think he'd do a like '30s gangster deal, like an Untouchables type deal. Yeah. Um, I think it would be problematic, but I could see him doing a samurai movie. Maybe. Um, yeah. Like a blazing samurai? <laughs> yeah. Um, With a cat? I don't know about that exactly, but I wouldn't maybe. be surprised I'm gonna to see like a, a, uh, a medieval like knight, knight in armor bullshit. Yeah, it's kind of wild he didn't do that in this one, really. Which is because he, yeah, he like the really preview jumped. for the second one had yeah. Vikings, but I feel like you pick Vikings or 
or knights in armor and you kind of like you know either way you can like you pick one for part two mm-hmm. I, I think him doing superman would be great if he he tackled a call oh, that's property. not history which is funny because did any of you guys notice that the main theme song for this movie sounds almost identical Dude. to the Superman theme song. Yes. It starts I off think. with dun da 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 But it doesn't get to the second part. Yeah, but it doesn't go dun da 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 it's yes, no, the John yeah. Williams 78 score to Superman. I, it, or, or, Superman. or I was like, is it Super Friends? Because it also has the Super Frenzy like dun dun Like, great score, but super John Williamsy. Uh, and that's what I was curious. I was like, I wonder where was that just like to be an homage, or was it just like same brain sort of? I, I just think it's musical. The, it's the brightness of the horns that makes the whole like uh, you know the sword and sandals bit kind of work. And it's John Morris it, yeah. again, so, so it's a lot of like horn fanfare. And you know mm-hmm. he's yeah, such a, a solid collaborator with uh, Mel Brooks that I'm sure Mel Brooks was like, oh, bright horns and like over the top, you know. Like Spartacus, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was interesting. It's literally like the the first uh, phrase is the same thing as Superman, but then it doesn't yeah. do the same thing. That and the Jews in Space theme song is the <laughs> yeah. uh, will eventually become the Men in Tights song. Oh, we're Jews. Yeah, we're Jews in space. That's right. You're so right. Oh, damn. Yeah, so he had that in his head. See, that's where um, it's like, eek. Like, you're revisiting these jokes in later movies that makes me think of, like, when you see a stand-up show and then the person is just trying to work out jokes for a different set or Well, something. but, I mean, Brooks does but that. I'd argue brain, the jokes work better in this one. Yeah, that's but. true. But, I mean, he doesn't know that yet. Yeah. He will. <laughs> Bring me a small mm. liar. It was it wasn't me, it wasn't right. me. I was at a friend's house. The checks in the mail. Not that small liar. <laughs> yeah. I just love any, any that's a great job. Anything with Don Delis like in Brooks, like I'm oh, gonna man. watch like Ugh. He's, he's so good. He's such a ham. He hams it up in this movie. So he's, much. He's so over the top. There's the 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 biggest hams as always, Dom DeLuise and Harvey Corman, like as usual. Because yeah. the Count de Monet or or <laughs> the count, the count of money. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. Count the money. Count the money. Count the money. Count the money. Yeah. I love that. Don't be count saucy with me, Bernays. <laughs> Don't be saucy with me, Bernays. Oh. He's just, he's yeah. such a beautiful little actor. So, uh, did you guys have any performances? I always forget the name of this fucking segment. Saving face. Saving face. Saving face. I'll say, I'll say it one more right time. Now. Saving face. <laughs> Don't worry, As we've I only done it a, a handful of, of times. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to remember that by saying grace. Every episode we have to say grace, <laughs> and that's really gonna mean Just, saving face. We, we actually might as well change it to that. Okay, okay, everybody, now we're going to be saying grace. Okay, let's say grace. Grace. And then we just do, like, harmonies. <laughs> <laughs> we're literally just saying grace. Grace. Saving grace. Saving face. Uh, I, 
I think as far as performances, uh, Gregory Hines, because he steals mm-hmm, all yeah. the scenes that he's in, and I think also uh, I think Gregory Hines is a very talented like performer, and I think like Brooks gives him like a lot of room to to do stuff. Like you said, this was like his first his debut. Paco, is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, or like, I think that was Jason. Okay, yeah, sorry. Like feature debut. That's crazy because he seems like a seasoned, at least like I don't know. Yeah, he's a seasoned performer, definitely not just as a tap dancer. I think yeah. he might have been in things before, but this was like his first big role. Yeah, he okay. was in one episode of a TV show. Okay, like, so yeah, fifteen years before. Dude, but he's, he's a natural though. Like he acts like yeah. he's been in front of the camera. Like mm-hmm. he's he's so natural. And he's like, and he's funny yeah, too. So like. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah. He steals the show. And it's funny that uh, Brooks is two for two on roles written for Richard Pryor, but the people <laughs> right. who replace Pryor kind of kill it in a way yeah. that I, yeah. I don't know Pryor could have. I, I think it would have yeah, been interesting to think too. about Pryor in that role, but you're right. I wouldn't, I, at this point, I wouldn't want to replace him, and that's kind of strange to say. And I feel the same way about Cleveland mm-hmm. Little. Well, that's the the weird thing that I was thinking about in the back of my head in this movie was uh, that there will be no more uh, Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder uh, collabs, right? Like, I don't think he's in anything else. No, yet. I don't think so. I don't, no, think, I don't so. think so. I was like, shit, that's insane. That, that's like, a the bummer. The last time that they worked together was, what, Young Frankenstein? Yeah. It must have been. Yep. And, and you always think of them like, as like big collaborators, but it, they only worked on a handful. Well, but, like but a think small about how influential so those movies too. are. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Three of Very like the true. most popular comedies, at least like 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 maybe not successful as far as like uh, box office every single time. Although Young Frankenstein and uh, Blazing Saddles were, but like definitely well known. But there was also like this is where Mel Brooks kind of became a brand. Like going into the, the Mel Brooks series, I was like, oh yeah, there's that movie to be or not to be, and it, that's yeah. not a Mel Brooks movie. Like it stars Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft, um, and it's produced so, by him. But it's, it's I thought it was directed by him, but it's not. It's, it's directed by Alan Johnson, who is the yeah. the dance choreographer for like almost all of these movies. Um, Interesting. But it's it's weird that it's like Mel Brooks has become kind of a brand at this point, and I feel like the remainder of his filmography doesn't have that like kind of spark, like enthusiasm of something like Blazing Saddles. And it's just it was kind of like sad thinking about like oh Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks, like their collaborations have been phenomenal. That is, it was like in the back of my mind, if for some reason I thought that he would appear in History of the World Part One, but. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a huge bummer well yeah. um yeah i totally didn't even think about that and i totally forgot that yeah young frankenstein is the last one that they work on together um what who is your favorite paco i'm also uh gonna go with heinz like, i thought so. dude just steals the show in every scene he's in um and again he's just got so much range with mm-hmm. that like from dancing to doing more dramatic to really being the funniest character in the whole damn movie. Exactly, um, yeah. yeah. Which, that's what makes the second half harder, because you love that character so much, and then you're denied him the rest of the movie. Like, it would be more Well, not the if, rest like, of the movie. Well, I just mean, like... If yeah, it's a miracle had... at the end. <laughs> yeah, but it, that's true. But what if they had the miracle thing as, like, a thoroughfare of, like, okay, he's the narrator, and he's spending more time in and out of the story, 
making it meta and going through like pages of a history book or something because mm-hmm. he's so fun to be with that it made his absence and more and more Mel Brooks like Mel Brooks plays like 80 characters in this movie um that it, it feels just like not as exciting when Gregory Hines isn't in it I know that sounds like a fanboy thing to say but it is like, I didn't know I was a Gregory I Hines fanboy but like I think he really like yeah um he kills it in this movie yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think my my favorite performer was Madeline Kahn. I, I think she's like, so good. Her her small roles like ring a bell. Where she's so like she sticks out in a way that's just wild that you don't see that often. And uh, like her her line of something like if they, if they ca- if they're captured they'll be hung and she's like honey some won't yeah right, it's right. Like, <laughs> so dark she's such and, a like, delight yeah, twisted movie, I she's love her so much. like she just she chews the scenery like i i honestly wish that i had seen that she did more collaborations with mel brooks where like she was a main character because she steals every little bit of screen time that she's ever in and it's just it's it's a bummer because like she's so good she's Um, so good so it it makes me look forward to like just uh finding more stuff of hers she's gonna be in more coming up right we're not done with her yet i I don't know. Maybe that I remember. Dracula? Well, I think she passed away in like 91 or 2. Oh, really? So I don't know if they were together anymore. Yeah, she had the ovarian that's... cancer, I think. Oh, that sucks. That's a bummer. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those like... Yeah, 99. So this is the uh, the podcast where we uh, talk about how all the good actors die. And, uh... <laughs> and we end every episode with that. Apparently. <laughs> well, Evan, Evan we, didn't, we didn't get to your favorite character. Yeah, who's your favorite? Well, I... I feel like, um, to be honest, Gregory Hines and Madeline Kahn, Madeline Kahn steal the show. I do want to give a shout out to Mel Brooks for, I, I just, I think he's, he's natural. He's just really, really good in the roles that he plays and he's just fun to watch cause he's, you know, it's, he writes it for himself. I feel like he just knows exactly how he wants to be, mm-hmm. but I also want to give a shout out to, if I'm not breaking up too much, um, Good. Um, the guy Spike Milligan, who plays um, Monsieur Robold, who is in prison <laughs> at the end, like his whole fucking—he's so good in that. Like when he walks into, like when they like bring him home finally, mm-hmm. and he like walks to the door and falls straight on his face. He's like, Dead! "What fool put a carpet on the wall?" <laughs> like he's just so cute. Like when they when they're freeing him, he like is the birds. He's like, "Fly, my pretties, you're free, free!" <laughs> like I just like that's so lucky today, Pierre. Like he's I don't know. I just I love those fool like characters. The similar to the guy from High Anxiety who plays you know Mel Brooks's psychiatrist, the old guy, uh, Professor um, Lilla Old Man. Yeah, little old man. It's like another one of those just like little old guys that are really goofy and. Like, in that fucking movie, I love the, uh, oh my god, he's dead. <gasps> Wait, he's dead? Somebody died? <laughs> like, it's so good. They think so he's good. dead because he's sleeping with his eyes open. Anyway, it's Brooks loves putting in those random little characters, and they're just, like, old dudes, and they're just goofy. And every actor that plays them, they're just perfect. They're amazing character actors. And so Spike Milligan, I, I love him in that little, just that tiny little part. Hell yeah. I totally okay. agree. I mean, I, I, just real quick, moving forward, is this kind of 
where it goes downhill. I would certainly agree. I don't know. I haven't I would say so. seen Spaceballs in probably 15 years. I'm hoping that stands up better than the last one. I'm not time. confident it Fingers will. Fingers crossed, man. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not confident either. It just... I, I To be honest, before we get to Spaceballs, I... Last time I watched it, I also just remembering, like, I, I mean, I love Bill Pullman. John Candy's funny, but none of them in their roles in that movie are very good at acting. Yeah. I feel like even Joan Rivers does a, yeah. is the best actor in that movie, and she plays a fucking robot, so she doesn't have she, just her voice. Like, they're, it's just not good acting, except for by, um, you know, oh my god, why am I blanking on his name? He plays Dart. Dark Helmet. Oh, uh, Rick Moranis? Yeah, Rick Moranis is fantastic in that movie. And so is his, like, right-hand man. But, it, yeah, I just remember that movie being like, it's too corny for me. The jokes are kind of like this level where sometimes they're just, like, really not, they're, like, trying too hard to fit in a joke in an empty space, but it just doesn't land very well. Like, like even the goodbye head, and he's like, hello, balls. That's I think that's it's like a low low bar sort of humor, and it starts to become that way for the rest this doesn't, of this doesn't Brooks's well, jokes, movies. No, that that, <laughs> that's, that makes me worried water. for the next four movies. <laughs> oh, but that's yeah. that's me. That's my opinion. I could have been in a bad mood when I watched it. I I could have just been like disappointed because, like I think all of us as kids, we loved that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just I don't know. Maybe I'll love it. Maybe we'll, I'll find like, more enjoyment. But I'm just saying especially was like in a, on an impressionable little Jason was a big movie that but I loved. Yeah. So I think I'm I didn't even like that one as a kid. Ooh, I, oh, I think so that one is going to be that one's so cringe now. Oh boy. I yeah. think it's totally. Well, I remember being a kid going, oh, I love Dave Chappelle and I love Richard Lewis and like all that. And then I'm just, I'm terrified. And I love Isaac life. Hayes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like they have a character like, uh, you will meet my son Achu. My name is a sneeze. Yeah. Like, God wait, damn it. Is really? That, oh, it is Isaac Hayes. That's <laughs> oh, right. That's, yeah. Oh, no. yeah. It's cool. It's Isaac Hayes, but yeah. All right. Well, oh, join us next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Can't we? laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, when we talk Spaceballs. And as always, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Give yourself a hug. It's been a rough couple years. And uh, we'll catch you then. I love you, bye. Mackie, count the money. The money. Money, say it. Money, 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 money. Perfect, don't forget. Give it to me again, money. Morning. Very good. Where's his majesty?